total record slave. Wow, you are the recording slave. <laughs> Let's check our mics individually. This Hit the record button, slave. Right now? Like now? Are you Everybody at the same time. Check, right check, check. Right One, two, three. Check. Check, check it. <laughs> check it. <laughs> we did this last week, honestly. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit moved. Holy yeah. Spirit moved, yeah. dude. So don't try and tell me we're going to... I don't want to talk about anything serious today. Cage the like Holy Spirit. Like real burdensome, you know? Check. Check. What are we... My check it. My sound is tall. How's my sound for real? Okay, your sound is on. So is mine. So is mine. Yeah, yours is also on, Father. Somebody praying? Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. If you are in need of a phone case with some awesome Catholic art or a crocheted satchel for your old school flip phone, (laughs) and you need millions of them, Buy them from Holly oh. and check out Halfway Saints podcast. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Wow! All she had to do was send us free stuff, and she got that shout out. Yeah. Word What's to your... the wise. Yeah, word to the wise. Exactly. <laughs> Read between the lines, people. Beats by Dre. Beats by Dre. That's right. <laughs> What's li- your story? You're listening, Doctor. Um. So yeah, we talked about Cardinal George last time, but that was before the funeral and everything, and uh, the funeral was. An intense experience for me. I got the got to go, and I happened to be sitting in the front row on the very right, so I had a view of the casket and you know all the bishops and cardinals, Cardinal Dolan, O'Malley, all these guys were there, um, and just a, just an impressive display of the church, and also just beautiful that it was basically the same prayers aside from maybe like one collect that any other funeral would have in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the pomp and the, the honorable guests, you know, the mayor and the governor were, you know, 20 feet away from me, whatever, in, in the mass and everything like that. But actually, when at the end, the there was kind of a VIP exit, which happened to be right next to where I was. Like, nobody else could go out this exit, but, like, I saw the governor and the mayor and his wife walk right by me at the end of Mass after the the casket had processed out with the pallbearers. And I was just watching, and I was kind of, I don't know, stunned and just taking it all in, the cardinal being carried out of the the cathedral for the last time uh, to this song, Ece Sacerdos, which, you know, was at every ordination. It was his song. Um, behold the priest and he's leaving his cathedral I was just like kind of in awe in that moment and the governor and the mayor walk right by and I, I recognize that they were famous important people but I could literally have not cared any less you know that that these people were walking by me that were celebrities um, because of just the weight of everything that was going on how how heavy and important and beautiful everything was um, and sort of first things first, you know, not that the Cardinal is so much more important than those people, but, uh, just the event of commemorating this person's life and death and, 
praying for them and all of that. And then, of course, I was the pallbearer at the cemetery with uh, six of my classmates, and we we walked him from the hearse to his grave and were there for the final commendation. But I just felt like, not a crabbiness, but just not right, like I was kind of in a funk and went and had dinner with a classmate and uh, this lady and was just not in the mood to talk at all. And drove back up to the seminary after that and didn't really know what to do with myself. So on my way, I just stopped at Marytown and prayed a holy hour in there. Uh, Just thinking like, I I just want to be silent right now and I definitely want to be with Jesus. Um, Because, I mean, I guess to me the feeling was one of great loss and almost untethered. Like, okay, this person who was such an image of Jesus and such a rock of the faith in the church in Chicago is now gone and we can't ask him questions anymore. We can't, you know, rely on him to be there for us anymore. So, you know, run to Jesus, be be with him. And then I drove back to the seminary and called my mom, who had been kind of texting me, you know, pictures she saw of me on TV and stuff like that. Just talked to her for a while about the whole thing and how she was struck by everything. She watched it all on TV and I hung out with her and I thought, oh, maybe I'll look for pictures of of the funeral, like for keepsakes I could keep in like a file on my computer, like in case there's any of me at the cemetery or anything like that. So I, I just Googled it, the Cardinal's funeral, and noticed that NBC had the whole thing like uploaded already, the whole mass. And so I, I watched the last part, um, which was kind of in the studio. And Father Barron was there with Allison Rosati and the other news anchors that had been covering it the whole time. And they were talking about the end of the mass and the Salve Regina and the guys who were bringing him out. And they were, you know, oh, those were so-and-so, the, the last class of priests that he ordained, and they're just talking about all that. So I went back one video and watched the, the like, second-to-last part, which was the, the beginning of it was the Salve Regina, uh, which I guess Cardinal George had asked that his the people around him on his deathbed sing mm-hmm. for him um, in his last hours. And so all these priests are singing the Salve Regina and then it goes into oh god beyond all praising as all these priests and bishops and cardinals are processing out and it's just a view of the casket as all these churchmen are walking out and and touching the casket one last time uh with the pall on it and then they uh during oh god beyond all praising there's one line that every time i hear it um like makes my heart burn which is uh, whether our tomorrows are filled with good or ill, we will triumph through our sorrows and rise to praise you still, or bless you still, is it? Rise to... I think, I it's, think bless. it's bless. I think it's bless. But something about that line always gets me, and while they were singing it, as I'm just watching on my computer, on my desk, with my earbuds in, I started to cry. And you guys know me, and I'm not a crier. I can't remember. I, I literally the last time I remember crying, I was in high school. Um, and it had to do with a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I just don't cry. I don't, I'm not a very affective person. And I remember on my 30 day, actually years ago, I I was begging God to give me the gift of tears, like some intense experience, some kind of like catharsis, especially sorrow for sin. Cause that was a thing that was putting me in a big funk during that at one point was feeling like my sins were just owning me, you know? Um, 
and I wanted to just cry about it and get it all out, like the sorrow for sins, which is a, a gift of the Holy Spirit. But this was just spontaneous, and I thought, like, this has happened to me before where I've started to kind of get misty and and cry a little bit because, like, something's pretty intense emotionally. But that's usually the limit. But I thought, I'm in my room, I'm by myself, I have no fear of being thought a wimp or girly or, or whatever. Not that it's girly to cry, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's that deeply instilled whatever masculine false masculine thing so i just let it come and and saw what happened and then as like i see my classmates like jamie mueller and Derek ho and and other guys um taking the paul off of the casket and wheeling him out of there um and then carrying him down the steps and putting him in the hearse i was heaving and sobbing Mm. and it was I mean, it was an intense experience. I mean, people who cry a lot, probably it's like, okay, you just need to have a good cry, whatever. But to me, it was very significant. And um, it stayed with me for a while. And I, I just, like, my, I looked in the mirror, and, like, my eyes were all red, and uh, I just felt like a wreck. And so I didn't want to go anywhere or talk to anyone, so I just sat in my chair, and I was looking at the crucifix, and... Um, I just said, God, be good to him. And that like brought on another whole like just heaving and sobbing. And I don't know if it was like, it felt like Lazarus's tomb, you know, that, that verse Jesus wept and how it's always described as, you know, Jesus, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead and everything like that. But there was a profound, like Jesus perceived more than any of us possibly can the corruption of creation and how this just isn't how it's meant to be, you know, death and decay, sin and suffering and to see it and really, uh, know that this person loved me and that I loved them and they were a great person. Um, and now they're gone just blew me away, man. Hmm. And I don't know, I still haven't really like, plumb the depths of that feeling but it's one of the most intense emotional experiences i've had in a long long time um but the thing that struck me most about the homily that bishops archbishop sarton gave was that cardinal george was utterly a christian and utterly a priest you know that he was he's just totally conformed to that identity as much as he possibly could be he was still the unique person that he was but he was totally a priest 100% of the time. And that's why he was never afraid to witness to his faith in Christ, no matter what, where he was or in what circumstance. And everybody knew what he stood for. You know, there was never any doubt what Cardinal George stood for. Um, anyway, I don't want to make this all about Cardinal George again, but I thought that was worth sharing. It's pretty big grace. Um, then I just went and talked to Scott for a little bit and told him about it and, it's just good. Kind of, I mean, it's over now. It felt like I needed to, what was making me feel a little funky and, and cranky prior to that, like not wanting to talk to people was that I just needed to like, let that sink in, you know, mm-hmm. that he's gone. And thank God for the Catholic ritual, man, of the funeral to give us the opportunity to really say goodbye. You know, that's all I had to say about that. Well, I remember, <clears throat> I had a really, I, I'm with you in the same boat in that I am absolutely not a crier. 
And I mean, since I've been, you know, older, I really can't remember besides one moment, one really big experience that I have really cried as an adult or, you know, even since I've been in high school or, or whatnot, but it was at a funeral. It was at a funeral. And I just remember having the feeling afterwards where I was, I was crying during a a dear friend's uh, funeral. Um, and I did not see it coming. It was like super Mm -hmm. unexpected as well. And just feeling afterwards, kind of sitting in the car with my mom and my dad riding home in silence in the back. And like my father was just so good about it. Um, because I got up and they asked me to give like a sort of a eulogy type deal towards the end of the mass, like to say some final words. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I could like barely get through it. And I was, I mean, there's like a whole congregation of people, I don't know, maybe 800 to a thousand people. And I'm just, that's probably a bit much, but I was just sobbing. Had you written it out? I had written it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe a page and it was a huge struggle. I mean, I had to, you know, I was serving the mass and everything, but um, I had to tell my siblings to leave to go get like Kleenex for me because I honestly I didn't even have anything because I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. I had I had never that had never happened to me before. So then, just when I was thinking about it afterwards, um, and it really hit me during our spiritual theology class when one of the things that we talked a lot about was the expansion of the heart, which I know we've talked about in the podcast quite a bit. And that suffering really does draw, draw your heart to a certain depth that it's not really touched until you have these really deep human experiences that takes you to the limit of our earthly existence here and kind of has you peer over into the eternal existence. Then you have these, it was a very heart opening experience for me Hmm. that um, I also didn't expect, but I, I really did feel like I had I had loved in a new way that I had never done before. Yeah, it's a it's a manifestation of a of a love somewhere. That's what I felt like to me. It was just a realization of uh, the depth of my love for this person. Um, it wasn't. It was a sadness, but it was like in the God be good to him thing. Like I w- really felt like I I would plead for this man at the judgment seat. And say, let him in. Mm-hmm. He is my priest. He is my bishop. Um, and he loved me. He served me. He shepherded me. And I love him. And so I I want him with me in heaven, you know? And I guess, I guess it was like just a profound connection. You know, I haven't lost any parents, siblings, even grandparents in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. The only grandparent who's died died before I was born. So... In a way, I'd, I guess I haven't had the uh, opportunity to be to be stretched in that way, if you want to put it that way, you know, like that opening of the heart. Yeah, stretching seems to be. It's a vulnerability, you know. You're, you're, by loving someone, you let yourself be vulnerable to losing them, you know. Yeah, um, I related to both of your stories. It's funny because the I cried in 1996 when Ozzy Smith retired for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I still remember that, and um, I think I cried like maybe kind of teared up once in college when a girlfriend dumped me, um, dumped me pretty hard and sudden. It was rough. 
Um, but at IPF last summer on my eight day, it's funny that you said that because on my eight day, I very much had the desire, even to the point of prayer, of desiring the gift of tears. Um, and it, I don't know, like, kind of what spurred that on or whatever, but one night on my eight day, we, we had, a, like, a conference on the um, kind of the notion that, like, our hearts can be wounded. And, like, if we let those wounds go untouched by Christ, unhealed, then we, like, continue to put up walls around and they kind of start to get infected and fester. So, like, you just have to give them permission to to go there. <clears throat> and so I was real shaken up by this talk for whatever reason. And I knew something was, like, going on in my heart. And I went back. I went to the chapel. And this is day three or four or something like that. And um, I was taken, like, the the image that I had not thought about literally for years. But my, my grandpa died when I was 12 or 13, I think. And I went back, like, to my memories from his wake, actually. And I just remember I had this thought of, like, why did he have to go so soon? Hmm. It's kind of like I was relating to what you were saying about, like, that sense of loss. Even though Cardinal George died, like, a very, you know, heroic death and seem very prepared for death like there's still that notion that like we don't get to ask cardinal george questions anymore mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's different now and um i went back to that that memory of my grandfather's wake and just had this notion i remember someone saying to me like right before they closed the casket that we were going to have to go up like as a family and say goodbye and um for whatever reason, just like recognize there was kind of a lie that I believed there that that was like, that was it. That was the last time like I would ever encounter my grandfather, you know, in this life or the next. And so kind of like in that, like the surrender of that lie, tears started to come. And it never, it's funny that like we've all kind of had like one experience with this now. Like it had never um, happened to me before or since, mm. but for me, the tears themselves, and it was like a heaving, sobbing in the chapel. Guys were around me, like probably thinking, "What is going on with this dude?" <laughs> Had no Kleenex or anything, but <clears throat> honestly, didn't care. Like just let it, let it come, and and everything. But for me, the te- the tears themselves were very healing. Like that's what it felt like, even mm-hmm. on my face um, as they like as they ran down and and everything. But <clears throat> I don't know it. The other thing I was kind of relating to um, when you were both talking, like just this sense of like love and even the word glory, like coming up, like the glory of, of God. And um, I think C.S. Lewis talks about this a little bit about this, but there's a sense of like heaviness to it. Mm. Um, and that's what I still have around this memory, but it's not a heaviness that like bogs me down. But it's like a heaviness of um, reality, I guess, like just kind of like weighing down upon you and you realize how real this stuff is. And I think like they've all kind of related in in similar in some way, like I guess my like when I actually had that moment of of tears, the memory that was spurred that spurred it was from a like long time ago in my life. But you were saying too, like, thank God for the Catholic liturgy, like the Mm -hmm. Catholic funeral mass and i've related to that big time the more funerals i've been to i went to last fall i went to my first funeral of a child and um just like the heaviness that was there um but you realize that then in those moments like the church carries you 
like that's the only way I can yeah. de- describe it is that um, I think we all felt this way and you probably more acutely than us because of your interactions with him. But with Cardinal George, like we felt the heaviness of that loss. And honestly, like I think we felt like little kids mm-hmm. in, in a certain way. That's certainly like even in that experience of my grandfather's wake last summer, um, that's how I kind of went back to that feeling of like, but why did he have to go so soon? Um, you know, in my own life and in my family's life and everything. Um, and I remember that funeral I was at last fall of the, um, of the little girl, you know, the priest said in his homily, it's like in these moments, only a mother's love will suffice. Like only a mother's love can carry us. So we have to turn to the church as our mother, as she sings her lullaby of hope. That's how he described the Catholic funeral, hmm. is that you turn to the church, your mother, and let her sing her lullaby of hope. Um, so it always stuck with me. Um, so I don't know. I don't yeah, really have anything else to say on it besides that. It's, it's beautiful, but there's, like, there's that heaviness that's there with it. Um, but with that comes a sense of, like, uh, you know, like God really is our father at the same time. Like we can cry in front of him in these moments. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, well, the immediate image was the great divorce where you have, you know, those that are trying to enter into heaven or are going into heaven as ghosts. The further back they go into heaven, the more real they become. Um, they gain this sort of substance to them. They gain this sort of weight to them. But then I also think of um, Baron gave a homily one time on the um, winnowing of chaff. Mm. Is that right? Am I saying those words properly? Winnowing of chaff? Yeah. Two Fs. Chaff? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that that was representative of sin because sin in the eyes of God and in front of his mercy is just blown away like nothing. But what's remaining is the substance of the thing, the weighty, the weightiness of the thing itself um, us being, um, you know, what, what remains as the sin is kind of easily blown off, off of us by the love of God. Um, but I always, I was always so struck by the great divorce imagery because it does play on that idea as, as they progress into this heavenly reality that it does entail a bit of suffering. They actually have mm-hmm. to go through hardship where they're like walking on the grass and it's spiky. Yeah. Because it it's so much more feet. real than them. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, I mean, it's that growing into the reality of who we were made to be, which is always way more than we can realize. There's way more, way more weight to it than we can ever imagine. But, um, no, I did get, I did get a sense that in not only the funeral ritual of like, you know, the not the wake, but the, you know, the Vespers we did while he was lying in state on Tuesday and then the mass on Thursday and then the burial at the cemetery. And then finally the, you know, kind of blowout cry that I had. All of that was sort of this progressive letting go, not just of Cardinal George, but of this world, you know, of the passing world. In a way, I felt like a more of a grown up. You know, like your thing about us being little kids being carried along by the church. I, I really like that because you do feel like a little bit uh, at sea and then this thing kind of catches you, which is this ritual, which you've done a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Go to mass, go to church and just go do this thing. And it carries you along through this process of growing up 
and saying, you know, I am not meant to be here forever, you know, and the people in my life around me aren't always going to be here, you know. Uh, doesn't mean that what we do here isn't important, but it does mean that these are not the last things, you know. They're not the first things, they're not the last things. And so it sets your priorities a little bit more straight and, and gives you over to a more generous spirit. Um, because ultimately, like, I mean, the big line from the homily at the, at the funeral was, the only thing you take with you when you die is what you've given away. And uh, that is the, as Father Barron put it, that's the law and the prophets right there. That's the whole message of revelation in a nutshell. Um, what Jesus showed us and, and what we participate in when we are living in him and he's living in us is that, that nothing is ours. You know, even what we have to give away was given to us, you know, and the law of the gift that God himself is gift and love and a relationship of love. And that, that is what remains. Not any of my stuff, not any of my talents, not even my mind, you know, go to the nursing home and, you know, and go visit the dementia ward and tell yourself that, you know, all this knowledge that you're accruing is somehow more permanent than uh, the things you own, you know, nothing of the earthly uh, realm sticks to you, you know, the only thing you take with you when you go is what you've given away. And so that stance toward all of reality is the grown-up stance, you know, a priest once told me maturity, the signs of maturity are gratitude and generosity. I really believe that. Um, and I, I also believe that faith and gratitude are kind of two sides of the same coin. The people who look at all of the of the world around them and say, this isn't good enough. God must have messed up if there even is a God. How can I believe in a good God when creation's so bad and full of evil and suffering? Um, it's ungrateful, you know? The same, per- you know? the same world can be perceived by another person who says, wow, look at the abundance. You know, wow, what have I done to deserve existence or any of the things that have been given to me? And usually, by the way, it's the people who have less material goods who have that attitude you know of gratitude Ugh. attitude of gratitude attitude of <laughs> yes. gratitude i'm super you glad you said it that. <laughs> you said it well but it's in, even as we're talking i know this is kind of it, this example just doesn't suffice for what we're talking about but even you know this is our last podcast before the end of the year and to be honest i was kind of expecting like a more upbeat just really kind of like a fun podcast but mm-hmm. we've really like this is a heavy podcast mm-hmm. if you you know if, if you're gonna look at it the way that it is but in doing that um i i feel very at peace right now just as we're talking about this where it in the sense that it's a stance of maturity in that you are gratitude you are grateful for these things that god has given you you do have eyes of faith to be able to see the depth of a thing presented to you whereas if I didn't, if I wasn't grateful for what we're doing right now, or if I didn't have eyes of faith to look at this, you could have anybody say, oh, a conversation about death. How depressing. How dumb. Oh, how weird. Kind of mm-hmm. Very kind of very taboo, you know, but because there is this posture of gratitude there, because there is this attitude of faith, not <laughs> attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratefulness. Yeah. 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 Um, 
you're able to at like right now i'm able to receive this in a way that at my state of maturity maybe three or four years ago it would have been terrible i wouldn't have even known what to do with it you know but um i mean i think that's what comes when you have your substance your rootedness in the person of of god in the person of jesus christ mm-hmm. in the person of god the father which is really where that weight and that substance comes from which helps you to plumb the depths, helps you to see the world properly, all these things that we constantly talk about. Um, so even this conversation right now, I think, at least for me, has been an example of, um, yeah, being able to be grateful for what we've been given. Mm-hmm. That it's not exactly what I expected. I expected a kind of a more fun, upbeat thing. But this is beautiful and that God has given it to us. And... Three dudes just talked about how they cried. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like how, I don't know. I've never done that before. (laughs) The first time for everything, I guess. I guess so. And we did it on a thing that we're going to upload to the internet. To the (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) I will be editing this one. (laughs) Dogs go to heaven. Goats go to hell. Should we do a little... uh like short couple minute explanation of like what the summer is looking like for us and that we're going to go on a at least somewhat of a hiatus for the summer for the fans why don't we just make this it good so does that mean we're doing it right now we're already doing what you're talking about well rob do you want to explain your hiatus where are you going to be what are you going to be doing yeah so uh this weekend is graduation. I'm literally going straight from here. I'll go home for like a day or two. And I'm going to go down to a parish in the southern part of my diocese. It's a really good parish. has a, a school, produces a lot of vocations, and um, just kind of like a lively place. And so I was telling my vocation director that we just desired to like get in another type of parish setting, a little more experience to kind of see what the life is like and things like that of a priest and so this, I think this is going to be a really great fit. So I'm going down there right away because they only have school for a couple more weeks. And so I'll be helping like in the schools and then living at the rectory with the priests there and have probably total like three or four weeks in this parish, like finish up the schools and then just do like nursing home visits, stuff like that. Just kind of shadow the priest there, which should be great. I'll go home for <clears throat> um, a week or two. Then after that, and hopefully my sister will have her her baby in there, so I'll be able to see the new niece or nephew, which will be great. And then I'm going out to Omaha, like, mid to late June, I think June 21st, to start my 30-day silent retreat. And so I will be completely off the grid for that thing. I think they let you... You can't Skype in for the podcast during that? (laughs) They let you use your phone for, like, two hours a day when you're on the Mm 30-day. Is that right? That's what I'm banking on. It's kind of what I'm going to do yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, whether or not they get permission, I'll be on that phone. Exactly, exactly. So, and then that'll go all the way up to um, like the end of July then. So that's that's pretty much the summer, you know. So very just excited and um, yeah, the 30-day I think especially is going to be awesome. So if you are listening to this, please pray for me, especially during that time like late June to late July um, just that experience a new intimacy with the Lord and kind of let him lead where he, he wills on this retreat. So that's my summer. And you, Mike? 
Well, I'll be actually leaving seminary a little bit earlier than I'm supposed to. Not leaving seminary. Le- well, leaving for the summer. Mm-hmm. Leaving the seminary for the summer. The location. The location. Geographically, I will be Not departing. Not the state of life. Yeah. I will still be a seminarian um, in Pectore. Yeah. I don't think that fits there. It definitely fits, dude. That's Latin, (laughs) people. Okay? So then I'll be physically leaving Mundelein to Atlanta for a day, and then I'll be heading down to Peru. I'm going to do like a little 10-day mission trip down there, and then uh, to Louisiana for a wedding of my best friend, which I'm really excited about, and then to IPF for the rest of the summer and um, it looks like after IPF, God willing, I'll be able to go out to Croatia and Bosnia with a seminarian brother. It's so weird. Croatia and Bosnia, like I never would have thought that I would end up there. But if the Lord provides financial resources for me to get out there, then um, I'll do like a little priest honeymoon trip. This dude is newly ordained and he's going to do some traveling out there, which is his hometown or his home country. Um, so he invited me out there with him. He's a um, Croatian? He's Bosnian. He's okay. Bosnian, yeah. But we're going to go through the Balkans and hopefully end up um, kind of like a little mini pilgrimage to Medjugorje. And just so our listeners know, Bosnia is a country and not a town. Yeah, Bosnia yeah. is a country. Yeah, <laughs> Bosnia yeah. is a country, as is Croatia and Atlanta, also a country. No, but Georgia is a country. Georgia is a country. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, which always gets me. But Conclu- This concludes the trivia section of Three well, Dogs North. Yeah, we did some pretty extensive geographical research for this episode, clearly. <laughs> Listeners can't see the world map that we have <laughs> yeah. laid out on the floor. It's pretty massive. Yeah. With little ships and smiley faces drawn on it by Mike. Yeah, well, like you got to go. indicate the arrows with where you're going, mm-hmm. you know? The whole summer's planned out. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Father? Uh, nothing really. Just finishing my thesis and then moving into the parish. Boring. <laughs> yeah, dude, that is lame. Dude, I'm not traveling the world. Actually, I am going to El Salvador for a week with my sister to visit the orphanage there where I learned Spanish. And then I'm going on a little mission trip with some uh, teenagers, I believe, from a parish up here near the seminary, actually. We're going to Nicaragua. And then I'm going... What part of Nicaragua? To the orphanage as well, NPH. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, cool. And then hopefully the end of July, I will be off the grid for a little bit in Idaho fly fishing with the bro dudes. Nice. That's awesome. So when what is the schedule with you finishing your STL? I hate that question. Yeah. Okay. You don't know? All right. <laughs> well, this is the last week of class, so I have to get two 20-page papers done this week. and then Shut your mouth. <laughs> and then the thesis, whenever that gets done, hopefully by june i mean i'd start full-time in the parish officially july 1st so i have until so then. hopefully before then hey how about great is Dios that gonna be full-time in the parish that'll be money you're gonna be a parish priest mm-hmm. is that really the motivating factor at this point it is yeah that's a nice it, you know i'll miss it a little bit i mean obviously me being here for an extra year has allowed this thing to flourish which has been a nice blessing something to look forward to every week um, and also my newly ordained brohims, kind of continuing that communal life. It's actually something that, you know, the drives have been a lot, driving an hour and 15 minutes one way to the parish and then another hour and 15 back on Sunday every week. I mean, it's nothing compared to some people commute hours a day 
So it's nothing to really complain about, but still it's, you know, like two full-time jobs basically. Uh, cause the, the two bleed into each other a lot the studies over the weekend and the parish life during the week. Uh, even though I'm not in those locations, it's just like a lot of priest work is not, you know, you're not in a factory turning screws. You're, it's a lot of intellectual work or communication work, stuff like that. Uh, writing homilies, making phone calls. So it's been a lot to juggle, but it's honestly nice to just be at the seminary for an extra year. I, I just love this place. I always did. Um, it's certainly not my home. I feel more at home in the parish, even though most of my stuff is up here. But, you know, becoming a priest and having then a parish, which is kind of your family, um, means that you want to be with them. So looking forward to it. But it's not as if I'm not losing something by being done here. And God knows the fans of Three Dogs North will suffer. <sighs> so that's, I mean, we're kind of a little bit up in the air. Obviously, we'll be, you have a couple things planned for the summer, potentially, but like we'll be pretty much off the air for the summer mm-hmm. and then kind of have to see how the fall goes with the transition and if we can do it. Like, if somebody wants to donate a bunch of money and equipment for us to do this remotely that'd be nice yeah do it remotely Some but beats by dre headphones and stuff like that i yeah. won't i honestly won't use any other headphones besides beats by dre yeah well little known fact three dogs north is actually sponsored we can't be we cannot seen wear... in public with any headphones that are not beats by dre yeah should we just ask uh dre for them i can text him text him <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you text him and have him provide the headphones? Okay. And then... Yeah, because what's the point of being sponsored and having that contractual obligation if we don't actually have any headphones? That's a good point. That's a great... I should... I'm just going to text him that. Like, hey, Dre, I don't get our deal. Yeah. No. I don't know why we signed that contract. (laughs) At all. Nope. Um, But that is good. I mean, we have official headphones now Mm -hmm. of Three Dogs North. Yeah. I guess we can say that. Yeah. But also, if you're listening, we still do need actual headphones, <laughs> so don't let that one pass you by. It's a great opportunity. Super good opportunity. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I mean, besides that, do y'all have a good topic for today? Are you ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisque, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.